0: I'm excited to share with you our recent teaching and discussion from our research and discussion questions from our Sunday school lesson as we reviewed Abiding in the True Vine. I also have a supplemental teaching that is continuation from last week's uh, lesson, and I pray it will be a blessing to you. So I'll be sharing some screens so that you can see the lesson in its entirety. Enjoy and be blessed.
1: The third step besides activating 911 and starting CPR is if you have an AED, you can implement that. So it's important if you have churches you go to, stores, things of that nature, make a note of where the AEDs are so that you can assist. AEDs are relatively easy to use, they're pretty standard. You just unzip them. And I'm going to leave this one standing up just to kind of demonstrate for you. Uh, But they usually have pads in there. And when you are ready, then you would still be doing compressions and you would get ready by turning it on, and the device will talk to you. Apply pads to patient's bare chest. So it's instructing me to apply the pads. Next to flashing light. And so you basically have peel-off pads here that you can put on. And so we will go ahead and put this, and they even have pictures on them so that that way we know where they go. So we have those on and then we attach it, and then the device will go ahead and it will process. Plug in connector. Analyzing heart rhythm. When it's analyzing, usually you stop CPR. Shock advised. Charging. Stay clear of patient. Deliver shock now. So this is where you just clear everyone around. You do not touch. You go ahead and deliver a shock. And then you resume your compressions. If needed, begin CPR. And that is the process that you can help to save someone's life and make every second count.
0: All righty. So you're probably asking me, all right, why are we doing uh, AED training and CPR in in Bible study? And uh, let me make sure that we stop our videos here. Okay, there we go. So the reason we're doing that, for those that had joined us last week, I shared with you the scripture that the Lord gave me that I believe is for this year. And it's from Proverbs 4. 23 through 27, if you want to uh, join me there. Again, it's Proverbs 4, 23 through 27. And I'm gonna read an NIV translation, it says this. It says, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Keep your mouth free of perversity, keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thoughts to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or the left. Keep your foot from from evil. And so I believe that this year, and I know it's already been blessing me, the revelations that God has been giving me just coming out of this, this scripture and i I believe that it's not only for me but i believe it can be a blessing for someone else and so because we're going to uh periodically just be talking throughout the year about ways to guard to guard our heart uh and that you know came out of the teaching last week we were talking about jesus being the way the truth and the life and was asking you know how how could we um you know how can we keep our heart from being troubled and this was a scripture that I was led to and from that we had some discussion about guarding your heart. Now mind you guarding your heart in this context the Hebrew word for guard means like keeping above all keeping it's not the way we think of guard like a lock and key or having a soldier and many people look at guarding their heart that way and they make internal vows saying you know I'll never let anybody hurt me like that again those type of things the Bible warns against that as well because it says that you know we can't change the color of the hair on our heads, and so in other words, we need to trust God to be God. Our yays should be yays, our nays should be nays. We should not make uh, internal vows or try to do what only God can do. So even when we've been hurt, when we start erecting walls trying to keep out that hurt of uh, people are hurting us, what in turn we do is we also we also impede the flow of the Holy Spirit from moving as well. Uh, And so when we're talking about guard from this point on and in tonight's uh, teaching, I want us to think about guard from the standpoint of, you know, to keep uh, above all keeping uh, and helping us to keep ourselves away from from sin. So with that said, tonight's uh, tonight's teaching is entitled Matters of the Heart. Many years ago, probably some 15 years ago, God gave me a song uh, entitled that uh, Matters of the Heart. And the inspiration was from uh, Psalm 51 with David's uh, Psalm creating me a clean heart, renew a right spirit in me from Psalm 51 and 10. And so we're going to uh, consider the Proverbs uh, passage that I just read and thinking about ways we can keep and guard our heart against sin. And I want to use as our scripture for teaching tonight, uh, coming from Luke, uh, the 15 chapter. So if you want to go ahead, and if you want to turn there to Luke 15, and we're going to start at the 11th verse, also be helpful, I want you to if you would have a piece of paper, and a pen, uh, because I'm going to need you to take some notes. And then when we have our discussion, um, during this interactive uh, portion, I will um, I will need you to uh, be able to have those thoughts written down, if if you would please. All right. So Luke uh, Luke fifteen chapter uh, eleven uh, through through thirty two. Now, uh, when we begin in this passage, it's a familiar. It's a familiar. Uh, Scripture. However, we're going to look at it kind of through a different lens. And so the reason I showed you that AED clip is because I want us to look at at Luke uh, 15 11 through 32 from uh, the lens of uh, uh, matters of the heart. And so as we look at the characters, the main characters in this text, I want us to think about each character and how perhaps if they exhibited any matters of the heart. Now, the specifically these matters that we discussed last week, and you might want to take some notes, it's gonna be three, I want you to make three sections on your note on your notepad. The matters of the heart that we're going to be looking for in this passage, we're going to be looking for number one, we're going to be looking for the the atherosclerosis or the hardened heart, okay, that we think about for people that have, you know, hardening of the arteries in the physical in the spiritual, this manifests as rebellion. Okay, so the number one category then is going to be uh, the atherosclerosis or the hardening, uh, like hardening of the arteries, which will manifest spiritually as rebellion. The second category of of heart uh, conditions, the matters of the heart that we want to look at secondly, will be heart murmurs. Okay, in the natural, heart murmurs uh, are faulty valves that cause abnormal blood flow. Now spiritually, this will manifest as gossiping, complaining, uh, judging contention. Okay, so that's the second matters of the heart. The third one that I want you to have in the third category is uh, congestive heart failure, which in the natural that's uh, simply the heart's inability to successfully pump blood through of uh, the body due to weaknesses of its walls. And in the natural that's typically caused by conditions such as high blood pressure, uh, heart attacks, or uh, cardiomyopathy, which is the enlarged heart. Now this manifests spiritually as anger, pride, and yielding to temptation. Okay, so in those three categories that we've just uh, described in the matters of the heart, uh, the hardened heart the heart murmurs and the congestive heart failure those categories i want you to be looking for any evidence of matters of the heart as we go through this this parable okay so uh, i'm going to start with the reading and i ask that you will just uh, follow right along with me. And then after each section, we're going to stop. And and we will discuss these potential matters matters of, of the heart. Alright, so let's get started. Luke 1511. Uh, it says, and he said, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and, and to spare, and I perish with hunger? Verse 18: I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him. I have sinned against heaven and before thee and I am no more worthy to be called thy son make me as one of thy hired servants and he arose and came to his father and that's that we're going to stop right there at verse 20 okay so now we're going to start like the defibrillator. Remember when we looked at the AED, this was somebody who had a matter of the heart, they were in cardiac arrest, their heart, it had been deemed their heart had had stopped. And so they are now placing the pads on, and they're hooking up the machine, and and they were doing the CPR. And so now this machine is analyzing, that's what I want us to do. Now, I want us to begin the analyzing part. All right, so let me just quickly review. That section I just read. All right. So, what we find here with the first character, the younger son, who's also referred to as a prodigal. Mind you, prodigal means two things. And in this parable, uh, this character fits both of them. Prodigal, one uh, meaning of it is that this is one who spends or gives lavishly and foolishly. And secondly, is one who returned after an absence. Okay. So, this is the younger son, the prodigal so what we found in verses 11 through 20 we found of the younger son that uh he sought his inheritance prematurely what do i mean by that okay an inheritance as most of us know is something that is left at the designation of the owner to uh those that will uh them in in death okay so a person becomes the heir at the death of the predecessor so this younger son who is approaching his father, basically for his inheritance while he is still alive is essentially, in essence is saying I wish you were dead. And and so that's essentially the disrespect that he had in coming and asking his father for the inheritance uh, before he was dead. Okay, so that's one thing you can maybe think if, if, if that is warranting putting in any of the categories. Let me move on. So then it says, once he received the father gave him, uh, granted his request. And then shortly a few days after that, it said uh, he left and then he uh, used his provisions. He wasted his provisions on riotous living. He spent all he had, okay? Then it said, this is the progression of this narrative. It said he began to be in want. And so then when he began to be in one, it said he started working to feed the swine. And he got so hungry that he longed for the leftovers of the swine, but it said no man gave to him. And then it says in one translation, when he came to his senses, or he came to himself, he realized that the father had more than enough to sustain him. So he made a decision to repent and to return to the father as a servant, not as a freeloader and uh, was honest with himself and willing to be honest with his father. He changed his direction and he went to his father. All righty. So, we have now analyzed. I'm going to ask everybody to to unmute at this point if you will unmute all those that are joining we have done the analyzing just like the defibrillator those that are on by the phone you can hit star 6 and that will get you um, unmuted star six. Alright, so matters of the heart, the defibrillator, we put the pads on looking at those categories we talked about as far as matters of the heart, being uh, if we look at the hardened heart, or we look at the, uh, you know, the, the heart that is has heart murmurs, or we look at the heart that has congestive heart failure, based on how those things translate in the spiritual which of those conditions did the prodigal um, younger son have? Did anybody see anything with um, the hardened heart, the atherosclerosis?
1: I saw it in 16 verse 16. I could be wrong, but um, it says, and he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat and no man gave unto him.
0: Okay. Well, let's think about, okay, atherosclerosis of individuals in the natural that have hardening of the arteries. You know, the, the arteries get plugged up with cholesterol and flax and things like that. So your, the blood flow is impeded. That's what often causes, you know, heart attacks and things like that. So even if we back up, even before we get to, to 15, when, you know, when he uh, is, you know, out there on his own, remember when we had the discussion, it said he came to his father, even in verse 12. And he asked for the portion of his his goods. So he was asking for his inheritance. That was the evidence of his heart. Okay, Um, his hardened heart, Um, because he remember the hardened heart in the spiritual kind of translates to rebellion. And so he was acting in the fashion of a hardened heart because, first of all, it was disrespectful. For him to come to his dad asking for his inheritance, and his dad is still alive because an inheritance is supposed to be acquired once uh, the individual, the designee, is deceased. Okay, so that's where I thought the greatest level of um, hardening uh, came came forth—the hardening of the heart and and the rebellion. And then he takes that and he goes and he wastes it um, on riotous riotous living. It wasn't like that. You know, I need I need this loan because I have this great idea to go and help and it's going to make progress. I mean, it was clearly all for his for his flesh, that he was wanting uh, his inheritance. Did somebody else see see anything else there. But those were kind of the things that stuck out with me concerning the atherosclerosis or the hardening of the heart that uh, that he exhibited. Does that does that make sense, uh, Devin? There it about definitely. that the heart of his heart.
1: Yes, it definitely does.
0: Yes. All righty. If, if nobody else has uh, has any other any other comments on that, Sister Vivian, I see that you're uh, unmuted. Did you want to also comment on that portion right now? Well, I I. I I, I went straight to congestive heart failure <laughs> because I I was thinking in terms of him. He obviously uh, had seen or thought that things would be better someplace else, and so I I thought about him
1: yielding to temptation, which is which comes under congestive heart failure.
0: that's exactly what I had. And that's why I asked you to do those, those three categories. Uh, So we see that he fell into the the category that the defibrillator did the reading, you know, it may have said originally, uh, it it may have come out rebellious spirit and continue CPR, you know, so we have got a heart condition. So we do that. And then it says deliver shock, we delivered the shock shot after we'd seen that he had the heart and heart We resumed the CPR, then we would see that he also had the CHF or the congestive heart failure, because he gave in to uh, to the temptation. So we go back, it says, okay, deliver shot, we start back with the CPR. And then after, um, after he did his thing, and, and he, you know, spent spent his inheritance, it said then he became he was in want. And you know, to the point that he was, he was uh, feeding the pigs and longing to eat the the leftovers from from the pigs. And so, then what did what did he do? What happened with his heart? <laughs> I didn't hear. Yeah. It. <laughs> he did what? <laughs> he came to his. Senses. don't you love that it said it came it came to He came to his senses and and you know the thing I thought about is that sometimes you know uh, well I'll, I'll get into this with the the next the next character but yes it came to his senses and unfortunately it took him being in the pig pen and and being totally destitute before he came to his senses and when he came to his senses then we see that uh that he made a decision for for revisions what he did is it, he here the analyzer would now say repenting, repenting. The person then he began to recover. This, this is like the person you've delivered the shot to. And now he is coming to himself. Okay. And, and so he's kind of out of out of danger. So he made that decision to turn. He said, I'll even go back as a as a servant. You know, here I am. I'm sitting here longing to eat the husk of the pigs. And my daddy is even his servants are eating three times a day. Why am I out here in the pig pen? And so, so he turned and he repented. So, all right, that takes us into the next narrative that picks up our next uh, character that we will discuss briefly. We're gonna go back, ask for a quick, a quick muting as I'm gonna read. There, we're gonna pick up here at um, verse, verse twenty, where we said, "And he arose and came to his father." But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and I am no more worthy to be called thy son. It says, But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hands and shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fat calf and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this, my son was dead and is alive again, he was lost and is found, and they began to be married, amen, amen. So that brings us then to the second to the second character in, in this parable, and that is, is the father, and we see that the father depicted not a matter of the heart, but he depicted a heart that was right before God or the father's heart. Uh, we see that he had two sons, he loved them both. He divided the estate. Now, even though we just discussed how disrespectful it was for the the son, the the younger son to come and to ask for that inheritance ahead of time, you know, he didn't have a long dialogue or discussion with the son telling him how wrong he was. He just divided the estate. And he gave the son according to what he requested Now, some people say, might say, well, that really wasn't wisdom. But you know, how many times have you been in a situation where maybe God has let you get what you thought you wanted, <laughs> but you later found out it wasn't what you needed. And, and so sometimes it takes that for us to come to our senses, like the prodigal. And so he, he the father, uh, even though he granted his request, uh, that was showing he had a heart of compassion. He didn't rebuke him at that point. But he uh, he granted his request, and it did succeed in helping him to come to his senses. And so now we see as he's returned. The other thing I love, if you look in this passage, see the prodigal didn't even have to get all the way back home. It said that just simply when he when he turned, he headed in that direction. It said from afar off, afar off, the father saw him, and the father ran to him. So see, sometimes when when we are in in sin and we're trying to figure out how to you know how do I get out of this I don't even know what to do all we have to do is turn god helps to get us back home you know through it. And, and so we just have to be purposed to turn and say acknowledge our sin as the prodigal did and change our direction that's what true repentance is it's a change of our mind change of our heart and change of our direction so that's what that's what the prodigal did and so now the father's called for this this celebration because to him he equates this as that the son has made this decision he has made a decision for revision and my son that was thought to be dead he is now alive let's have merriment so this was the example man that we should uh we should look at as far as the father's heart who did not need the analysis of the defibrillator uh, because he already had the right the right heart all right so um typically when when this story Is shared, or much of the teaching that's done about this story. If you say something about the prodigal son, most people know what happened as far as with the prodigal. They can relate to the prodigal, and they know what the father did. But we're going to continue on. We're going to discuss a little bit about the third, the third character in in this this story. All right. So we know the father's called. He's called forth a celebration, and so then as we pick up the story in verse twenty five. It says, now his elder son was in the field, and as he came and drew not to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed the fatted calf because he hath received him safe and sound. 28. And he was angry and would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he answered, answering, said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment. And yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. <laughs> but as soon as this thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted cat And he said to him, This is the father, son. Thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad, for this thy brother was dead and is alive again, and was lost and is now. Okay, defibrillator reading time. Adds on. Uh, Let's get ready to analyze this situation. Matters of the heart. Uh, Older, older brother. Uh, We clearly. Saw that the prodigal and most of the teachings that come forth about the prodigal, we understand the prodigal had some matters of the heart. So did the older brother. All right, what did you see? You can you can uh, unmute. Anybody see anything about uh, those matters of the heart, hardening of the heart, uh, with the rebellious spirit, the congestive heart failure, or uh, the murmuring? Any of those things? Did you see those?
1: I saw some heart murmuring in 29 through 30.
0: Mm-hmm. And and what was that specifically?
1: Uh, when he was answering to his father um, and stating that neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment, and yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. Um, but as soon as th- this thy son was come, that living McCartless style has killed for him the cat.
0: There you go. I mean, that that's complaining and grumbling all day long, you know. And we know Philippians in uh, Philippians two, uh, it tells us, I think two fourteen, it says that you know we're supposed to do everything without grumbling and and complaining if we're to be you know a shining star for for the Lord. So. Uh, Yes, clearly there was some 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 murmuring uh, going on because we know that with those those matters of the heart, with the congestive heart failure, the way that that uh, that manifests uh, in in uh, in the grumbling, uh, the the complaining, the other uh, areas of heart murmurs, uh, judging. Okay, so you know he's he's judging his 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 younger. Brother, um, because you know his brother brother left and squandered all of the inheritance. Yet he had remained he had remained faithful to to the father. Um, anybody see anything else uh, there? Well, yeah. I'm still on congestive heart failure. <laughs> all right. Well, give us some. What else you got on congestive heart failure? Well, I think he was angry. Uh huh. And yes and he was prideful amen he like he thought he was better than his, his younger brother mm. because he had he had not left home or not asked for his inheritance amen amen and you know it talked about his anger he was angry, angry to the point that it said he would not go in <laughs> so that you know they prepared this this great uh, time of celebration. And he's so angry that when he learned about it, and his father, he, his father, you know, was basically trying to, you know, to talk to him and, and find out what was going going on. And it says he was he was angry. And, and verse 28. So his father said that he entreated treated him because he was so angry, he would not even he would not go go in. He refused to be a part of, of the celebration. He was so angry. And and I want to pause here for a moment to say something that during this, this time of preparation for this teaching, I, I found something that was so profound about, about anger that really put it in perspective. You know, when we have anger and unforgiveness in, in our heart, you know, a lot of times people kind of justify their anger or their unforgiveness because of you know, what someone did and, and granted, it may have been a very horrific thing that was done, done to them. But what I want everyone to understand tonight, or anyone that may uh, watch this later, is that when we hold anger and unforgiveness in our heart, uh, it's like the analogy of trying to kill somebody while you're drinking the poison. And wow, when I, I was like that, that is so, so profound. That's what unforgiveness does. You're angry at the person, you have unforgiveness. You think that they deserve uh, some sort of, uh, you know adverse treatment or punishment. But in essence, because you're holding on to the anger it's like, you're the one that's drinking the poison and it's ultimately killing you when you desire to kill them or something adversely happened to them. So I have no time for anger in uh, among the believers god would not have us to to have uh, angry hearts it's counterproductive it is not the heart of should not be the heart of a believer we should have a forgiving heart uh we should have have loving heart and so uh that was something i just i definitely wanted to to mention and and also sister vivian pointed out about you know about the pride you know it, it's so interesting that um this older brother, he was so busy, he was so busy pointing fingers, looking at the flaws of, of the younger brother that he failed to see that, you know, he was pointing out all the unrighteous things that that younger brother had done, but he was so busy pointing fingers that he didn't see his own self righteousness now. Granted, as believers, we're the righteousness of God, not because of anything that we do, but because of what Jesus did for us. But when we began to feel so self-righteous that that you know we uh, so deserve this or deserve that or we've done this so much better than somebody else, that is self-righteousness, and that is it's just as greater sin as greater sin as the unrighteousness of the prodigal. The other thing, too, about the prodigal, at least the prodigal came to him since his his senses. Unfortunately, the older uh, son who had the blessings of everything being in the father's presence, he still remained angry. And and so he didn't repent. And and so it's, it's unfortunate that as Devin was saying, instead of seeing all of the blessings that he had, staying there in close proximity with the covering of, of his father, he only saw the negative things and he was mad because the younger brother that left him, you know, maybe having to take on more chores or whatnot, and he was out living, living at large. but ultimately he saw that what he thought he wanted was not what he needed for sure. And unfortunately, it doesn't appear in scripture does not tell us, that the, uh, the older brother uh, came to that recognition. Um, because they're a fear that there was no, no repentance on on his his behalf. So take home point about about the unrepentant older brother. You know, if we choose if we abide in a place or we choose to stay with something or believe we you know we're doing something because it's God's God's will. but we're doing that thing with the wrong reason and the wrong heart, God's not honoring that. And see, that's what the older brother did. He stayed behind, but he had so much bitterness and so much anger that he didn't have an attitude of gratitude for being under the covering of his his father and and being able to be in the presence of of his father. He was too angry and upset with the younger brother to be able to to focus on, on those blessings. And so when I thought about that, I was reminded of Psalm 91. It's another familiar scripture that he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. See, we have to be in the secret place. We have to be in that place where God is to have the covering. And see, God's not obligated to keep us where he doesn't send us. And that's what the prodigal saw when he came to his senses, he's out there in the pig began, yet the servants of his father are eating three times a day and he's out here wanting to eat scraps of the pigs. And so a lot of times we give away our, you know, our, um, our covering it because we're sticking our head out from the secret place, giving the enemy, uh, giving the enemy uh, information about where we are instead of staying covered uh, by the presence of, of our, of our father. So, um, I, I just hope that that, that was a, a blessing for you to be able to, to see that parallel it was kind of a parable of the parable as we looked at kind of some natural situations of, of the heart and, and compared it in this parable and looking at the heart conditions of the characters, mainly the prodigal and the, old, the younger brother and the, the older brother. And so we definitely, we want to, as I said in this uh, opening, It's important that we guard our heart with all diligence. We want to keep our hearts uh, clear of of sin. And that's why I'm I'm thankful for those of you who've taken the time out to come to study tonight. This is one of the ways that we, you know, we hide God's word in our hearts so that we don't don't sin against it. Not that we try to be God. Not that we're trying to be God and we're trying to protect and put up the armor ourselves. That's just counterfeit armor. And in all of our righteousness, Isaiah tells us it's nothing but filthy rags. You know, there's nothing that makes us righteousness apart from Jesus. So we've got to be connected to, uh, you know, to Jesus in order to succeed with that. And so that then kind of segues into our lesson about the true bond. But I'm going to pause right here and see if anybody had any more comments or questions about the, uh, the parable of the parable of the prodigal son. Anything else that you had a question about or something that we didn't cover? that you saw in that parable that maybe was a little different than what you had uh, seen before when that's been read? Anybody else have a comment? No? All right, everyone's good. Well, awesome, that'll give us the last uh, 10 minutes here. As I promised, I want to uh, go over the research and discussion questions. There were six of them. And uh, from Sunday's, Sunday's lesson, where we talked about the true vibe and I want to uh, to kind of uh, segue from our uh, teaching that was just done. Let's go to questions three and five. I don't know if um, let me see if I can share this with you. If you don't, uh, if you don't have that, let me see if I can share it. Okay. So three and five here says you know, abiding in Christ means um, to remain in him. How can we abide in Christ? And then five says abiding in Christ is a command rather than suggestion. What are some consequences for not abiding um, in, in Christ? So, you know, basically abiding in Christ means that we stay connected. Like I said, we don't want to wander off like the, the prodigal son did. We want to stay in the presence of, of the, the father. Uh, that's where our, our covering our covering is. We don't want to uh, venture off to places and doing things that we don't have the, you know, the blessing of, of God. Uh, those branches, in order to grow, we have to stay connected to the true vine. We don't need to start chasing after other things other than the true vine because that those things are not able to, you know, not able to sustain us. So, and as we see the the command is that we abide in Christ. And it says, this isn't a suggestion. So uh, when we don't, uh, it says that we'll be removed. uh, Those branches get removed and, and thrown in the fire because they are, are, are no, no use. Then back to question two, why are the branches that do not bear uh, fruit? Why are they taken uh, away while the branches that do bear are pruned? The branches that are taken away, we talked a little bit about this Sunday's lesson, for any of you that you know, maybe kind of tinker around with houseplants or plants, you find out that any, uh, any branches, if if the branches are, uh, are not bearing fruit, they still, uh, they take the resources of the remaining plant. And so if if they are not contributing, it's best to remove those so that they don't take away from the, the, uh, the plant so that the plant can thrive. And those that do bear fruit, they still get cut back because that strengthens them and allows them to make more fruit. And that's ultimately what God wants of us. He doesn't want fruitless uh, Christians, he wants us to bear uh, good fruit and, and and fruit that will last. So now, questions four, I group questions four and six, and it says, why uh, are we unable to bear fruit if we uh, do not abide in Christ? And then, what does it mean to uh, to bear to bear fruit? All right, so basically the question the answer for question four about why we can't bear bear fruit um is because the vine is the producer of the fruit okay we we don't produce the fruit our job is to stay connected to the vine and the vine will produce um the fruit so what we need to do as believers, instead of we trying to do things independent of God, we have to stay connected to the true vine in order to bear to bear fruit. When we think about in, in Galatians 5, it talks about the fruit of the spirit, you know, the fruit of the spirit is, you know, love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, kind uh, of faithfulness, uh, self-control, all those, those uh, nine, Uh, 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 fruits of the fruit of the spirit that it mentions there. It says that's a fruit of the spirit. So the spirit is the producer. It didn't say nine fruits that we will develop that if we study enough, if we pray enough, this is something that comes forth. No, it comes forth by us walking in the spirit and being connected uh, spiritually to, to Christ. And so then bearing much fruit again it's not, you know, it's, it's not optional, it, it is a command, as was stated in, um, in question five there, of the research and, and discussion. So it's not optional. And so bearing fruit, though, it results the only way this results is if when we're obedient to the word of, the, of God, and the promptings of the Holy Spirit, When we remain lukewarm, and we have willful disobedience, to uh, what God would have us to do. Basically that translates to us really not being a true Christian because a Christian is a follower of Christ. But if you refuse to follow, or if you're complacent about that, then you can't really have a fellowship with Christ and, and the father according to the word, word of God. So, you know, What this should do, it should inspire us, it should not make us, you know, make us heavy or, you know, hopeless or discouraged, but it should make us realize how serious this is. And so it should just inspire us to want to bear more fruit and have, you know, closer fellowship uh, with, with, with the Lord. Uh, So as I said, the only way we can bear fruit is to stay connected to that, that true bond, we have to be, you know, uh, surrendered. We have to surrender our own will to God's will and obey uh, the, the word of God, obey the voice of God in everyday you know, si- situations. You know, there are times when, you know, we talked about some of those matters of the heart. You know, we may we may uh, be saying, uh, for instance, we have an altercation or or there's a situation with uh, with someone that has uh um, the outcome wasn't so, so positive. And the person may have been as wrong as two left shoes, but the Lord may tell you to be the one to go back and apologize. And you may be wondering, why do I need to apologize? They were the one that was all the way wrong. But sometimes the bigger person has to do the bigger thing. And I'm saying bigger from the standpoint of being more spiritually mature. And I'm, I'm not telling you what I heard, I'm telling you what I know. There have been situations where, uh, the Lord has had me to go to someone who they were clearly, you know, out of, out of order and, but I had to, uh, the Lord had me to apologize, you know, to them and, and to acknowledge that, that maybe I could have done something differently as, as well. That is very freeing. It is very freeing to be able to, to do that. Um, but again, we have to be willing, I believe not just to surrender, I believe that's why, like in Ephesians five, it talks about the relationships, uh, you know, in the church and even with husbands and wives. Why submission is greater than surrender? Because see, you can surrender when you feel like you got your back against the wall, you have nowhere else to go, so you just wave the red, you know, the white flag, like okay, you got me. But God doesn't want us to come to Him that way. He doesn't want us mechanical robots. He wants us to, to you know, to come to Him. Out of our love, our love for him. And so that's submission. And I believe my definition for submission is surrender with the right heart. And since we're talking about matters of the heart, that's where I believe God, our goal should be is that whatever we do, we do it as unto the Lord and we do it with the right heart. Because we saw that the prodigal, he remained behind, not the prodigal, but the older son. The older son remained behind in the house of his father's and he went about doing the work for the father, but he had the wrong heart. He was bitter. He was angry about it. And so we want to uh, not only surrender to situations, but we want to submit into everything that God uh, would have us to do to totally submit. Having Jesus as our first love, you know, that he reign in our heart and and mind and then it be his will over over our our will that's how we ultimately will bear fruit and fruit will then just begin to come forth come forth naturally so I just I pray that uh, you know this has been a blessing for you tonight as we talked about uh, talked about these matters of the heart and paralleling that to the parable of of the sower. as I said we will be you know discussing all year long until the Lord tells me to, to stop proverbs 4 23 through 27 about how we can guard our heart with all diligence because everything flows flows from there you know sometimes people say you know something comes uh you're having a discussion with somebody you may say something you'd be like oh where did that come from Well, the Bible tells us out of the abundance of the the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if you say something and something comes out of your mouth, it's because that was ultimately in, in your heart. And I think sometimes God allows that to happen so that we can analyze, put those defibrillator pads on to be analyzing those things about ourselves. And so, you know, from that lesson tonight, let us pay a closer attention to the analysis of our own hearts. You know, a lot of times we're out here trying to do CPR on everybody else, and we want to analyze. We're trying to get all those specs out of everybody else's eyes. And the Bible tells us to be, we need to be concerned about those beams in, in our own eyes. And so I pray in the days ahead that God will speak to you about um, any matters of the heart. If you're exhibiting uh, in your heart condition some atherosclerosis of your heart, if your heart is hardened, you're walking in rebellion. Um, Towards, towards God, you're doing, uh, not doing something he's told you to do, or you're halfway doing what God told you to do, because partial obedience, like with King Saul, partial obedience equals disobedience. We can't cherry pick, choose that which we want to do for God. We have to wholeheartedly serve him with like the heart of Caleb in order to have the victory, because obedience uh, brings forth the blessing sometimes we find the hands of the father because of our own decisions just like the prodigal did the father desired to bless his son he in fact gave him his inheritance in advance but he could not receive everything uh, the father had for him, because he would not stay close to the father, he wanted to go off roading and doing his his own thing. And so such it is with us, when we decide to get out of the ark of safety from the father doing our own thing, you know, sometimes God will allow us to get what we think we want, but we often will find out that's not what we need. And, and so we have to then come to our senses and we have to repent and come back. So if we're murmuring, if, if we are involved in Uh, you know, gossiping and uh, judging and contentions, all of those things, you know, constantly complaining, uh, we need to present those to God as well, because, you know, that that shows us that uh, that matter of of the heart as as well. And so um, finally, with the congestive heart failure, if we're eaten up with anger, or with, you know, with pride, with the self-righteousness, and we're yielding to temptation. We also have to commit those things to God to be able to receive uh, the fullness of what God has has for us. So as I said, I pray that this has been a blessing to you continue to read that scripture, Proverbs 4, uh, 23 through 27, Um, seek the face of the Lord, and spend some time and ask him to reveal if there's some hardening of your heart, or if you have some murmurings of your heart, uh, congested uh, heart failure that he wants you to deal with. And as you pray, listen and, and obey. God bless you. And I hope uh, this uh, has uh, and will continue to in- inspire you in the days to come.